have the opportunity to introduce you, I would consider him a friend, a cohort, a uh, brother in arms. And uh, this very moment, I'd like to welcome Tom, I mean, Tim Gilio. I'm kidding. I knew it was Tim, but I just had to get back at him for calling me Randy. So we're good. Good morning, men. How are we doing? Come on. It's awesome to be here uh, this morning and to have the opportunity to share with you guys. How many of you guys were here last week? Last week was good. Uh, and can I, can I be honest, I was really wrestling, I was really wrestling about what to teach this morning, and then Pastor Tom last week shared what he did, and the Lord was like, there it is. And because I had so many different thoughts going on uh, in my heart, and then he shared, and all those thoughts came together, and it was like, okay, there it is. So uh, last week, he ta- uh, Pastor Tom kind of brought up this, this song, it's I Have Decided. You know, I have decided to follow Jesus, and that's why we're here this morning, right? That's what got us up at 6.15. For me, it was a little bit earlier than that. <laughs> You know, and that's what got us motivated to get here. I know the breakfast is really good, and we're really thankful for it, but a heart has a hunger to know Jesus more. And uh, that's what brings us here. So I have decided to follow Jesus, and then there is this, this line, no turning back. Everyone say, no turning back. No turning back. You know, when you look at the idea of manhood from the world's perspective, the man tries to paint the picture of manhood in a very specific way. How many pounds can you bench? How many women can you have? These kind of things. And the world says this is what the definition of manhood. Uh, and I was, a, I was one of the youth pastors for a long time, involved in youth ministry for I think it was 15 years here. And I would often ask young men, I would say, define manhood. And they go to these things that the world kind of tends, how, how strong are you, how good do you look, all, all these things, how much money do you have. And then I would flip the question and say, okay, let's look at men in the Bible, because we go, to, we go to men in the Bible and we think of men like David. And you look at him and it's like, the definition of manhood from his perspective is a little different, because this is a man who had conquered, but he made mistakes, and in his making mistakes, he went to God and he said, I'm not turning back. And this morning, I want to talk to you guys about standing firm. Philippians 4.1 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy, my crown, in this way, everyone say, stand firm. In this way, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. It's this idea of We have a call as men to stand firm. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into it. If you'd bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this morning. Father, we recognize that you have a plan. Father, you have a purpose for our lives. And we, we, Lord, right now, we submit to that plan and that purpose. We choose to step up in this idea of manhood, not as the world defines, Lord, but as you define it. Father, we ask you to help us to see what manhood means from, from your perspective. And Father, we want to be men for the, for the people around us, for our brothers, our sisters, our kids. 
our nephews, our nieces, our moms, our dads. We want to be men for them and stand up for them. Lord, help us, Lord, to stand firm. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen, amen. Uh, When I was in eighth grade, I played football. It was probably a great decision and a horrible decision at the same time. The great reason was I loved football. Anyone like football in here? Any football players in here? Come on, come on, come on. Uh, The problem is I was tiny. I'm still kind of small. Back then, I was tiny. Uh, I, I was under four feet tall until 12th grade, just to give you like a little perspective. Well, I was, uh, I was one of the defensive backs. I was, I was actually free safety, and it's early season practice. We just kind of got our pads. I've never played before. I'm super excited. The coach just says, hey, if there's a hole in the line and it's a running play, step into the hole. I said, okay, I could do that. <laughs> Bad decision. Uh, it was, you know, <laughs> I play with a whole bunch of guys that have played football for years, if you know what I mean. Uh, so it's a running play. I recognize it. I step into that hole, and I'm like this. Uh, and let's just say the running back was moving full speed, and he got lower than I did. You know what I mean? And he ran me over. How many of you guys know there are moments in life where it's hard to stand firm. But Paul declares that we need to stand firm. And just before Philippians 1, you got Philippians chapter, uh, Philippians 4, you got Philippians chapter 3. And this is what Paul declares. He says, you are a citizen of heaven. Everyone say, I'm a citizen of heaven. He says, you're, you're a citizen of heaven. And how I always picture this is we are kind of like boats And we're in this world, but we're anchored in heaven, right? Like we got our anchor thrown out and we're anchored in heaven. And and as Christians, as men that are following Christ, we have this constant dynamic where we're in a world that is crazy. We're in a world that's broken. We're in a world that's falling apart, but we're anchored somewhere else. Our spirit knows what heaven's like, and it has a desire to be there, but we're physically here, and we're in this moment. And this is why Paul makes this statement. He says, men, stand firm. Stand firm. We need to stand up and stand firm because we're in a world that's crazy, and we're in a world that's shifting. Uh, We're in a war, right? We're in a war, and there's a, there's a plan. I often say this. John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. When I read that, I think, I think the devil has a plan for my life. But God has a plan for my life. And every day I need to stop and say, God, I'm going to partner with your plan for my life. I'm going to choose to say, God, I'm with you in my life. And devil, get out of here. I'm going to kick you to the curb. I'm not going to partner with that plan. We're in a war, but we need to realize that this world is crazy, but we're anchored somewhere else. So that's why Paul gives this idea of standing firm. 1 Corinthians 16 13 through 14, says this, be, uh, if you were here a while ago, James DeMello uh, read this, First uh, Corinthians 16, be alert, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. 
When you look at Philippians 4.1 and you look at 1 Corinthians 16, it's this command as men to stand firm, to be strong, to stand firm. Their commandments for us. Uh, but before we even get going, I got to make this one uh, kind of like asterisk with a note at the bottom of the page. In order to stand firm, you've got to be on a firm foundation, right? We can't, if, if you want to, if you want to stand firm, you got to be anchored in something solid. If you're on something that's shifting, standing firm does no good, right? Uh, I imagine uh, we've got a pool. My kids, they love trying to stand on things that are floating. They'll jump off the diving board and try to land on little floating objects. Uh, if you're trying to stand firm, if you're on something that's floating and shifting, you could stand as firm as you want. There's going to come a moment where something comes up against you that you can't handle. You need to be on something solid. And then listen to this. You need to be adhered to something solid. You guys have seen this. We've had, we've had some flooding in the area lately. Uh, you could be sitting on a solid foundation, but if water gets in there and it lifts you up, the storm can... The storm can shift you off if you're not anchored to that foundation. So there's a couple aspects there, but we need to be on something solid, and we need to be adhered to something solid. So if we find moments in life where things are shifting and things are going crazy, we've got to ask ourselves, am I on a solid foundation, which the solid foundation is Jesus Christ? And then the second question is, are we adhered to it? Are we anchored down into Jesus Christ? But back to this idea. I'm going to read a story. Uh, this is a book called Jesus Freaks. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. It's a bunch of just stories throughout history. There's a couple volumes of it. Stories throughout history where people stand up uh, for their faith in Jesus and oftentimes experience persecution because of it. But as I was getting ready, and especially when Pastor Tom last week uh, shared his story, I had already been thinking about this story, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this story. So it's called the Thundering Legion, and I'm not going to go through it all, but it's basically uh, the Roman governor stood resolutely before the 40 Roman soldiers of the Thundering Legion and commanded, make an offering to the Roman gods. If you will not, you will be stripped of your military status. So you got these 40 Roman soldiers who are Christians, and they're standing up and saying, we're going to live for Christ. And the Roman governor is like, uh-uh, I need you to worship the Roman gods. So they go through, and, and they're tr he's trying to bribe them. He's like, hey, if you deny Christ, I'll give you fame and fortune, right? Anyone ever had that kind of temptation in life today? Fame and fortune? I think we can kind of relate to that. Uh, it doesn't work. It fails. It doesn't work. So, uh, so then he tries to uh, put them in prison and, and beat them. And these guys are standing up. These 40, they're strong, right? They're standing firm. After the Roman governor goes through all this, he gets frustrated and says, The governor was enraged. Now he wanted them to die a slow and painful death. They were stripped naked and herded to the middle of a frozen lake. He set soldiers to guard them to prevent them from coming to shore and escaping. The 40 encouraged each other as they were going to battle. They, uh, how many of our companions in arms fell on the battle front, showing themselves loyal to an earthly king? Is it possible for us to fail to sacrifice our lives, faithfulness, 
uh, lives in faithfulness to the true king. Let us not turn aside, O warriors. Let us not turn our backs in flight from the devil. It goes on to say they spent the night courageously bearing their pain and rejoicing in the hope of soon being with the Lord. To increase the torment of the Christians, baths of hot water were put around the lake. With these, the governor hoped to weaken the firm resolve of the freezing men. I mean, I can, I can imagine this, right? We live in Michigan, y'all. Imagine being stripped naked and stuck out in a parking lot or a frozen lake. And all because we're choosing to believe in Jesus Christ. And this, this, this constant turmoil, I can, I can imagine the constant turmoil in their lives, right? The, the, the agony of the physical pain, the hope of the future glory, and then these hot baths are put around them. He hoped to weaken the firm resolve of the freezing men. He told them, you may come ashore when you are ready to deny your faith. In the end, he says, one of them did weaken, came off the ice, and got into the warm bath. But when one of the guards on the shore saw him desert, he himself took the place of the traitor, surprising everyone with the suddenness of his conversion. He threw off his clothes and ran to join the naked ones in the ice, crying out loudly, I am a Christian. Come on, men, that is awesome, right? These men are stripped and put out there, and one of them decides to desert. But if you go and you look at the story in different places, the 40 men were saying, "May 40, they, their prayer was, may 40 men die, Christians, for Christ, denying the Roman gods, the Roman government. So 40 men did die, but one of them deserted, but another one converted. And I look at that, and I think, men, we need to stand firm. We need to be strong. There is a call on our life, and it, gets, it comes to this. The war is real. So often we could try to live complacently in life, but there is a war going on, and we have a choice of what we're going to do. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober and vigilant. Your opponent, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If you look at that word vigilant, it's a Greek word. I'm going to probably pronounce this wrong. Gregorioou. Gregorioou. And it means to be awake and to be watching. I can imagine what it was like to live 1,500 years ago before electricity and you're in a castle and when it gets dark out, it's dark, right? Picture, picture pitch black. Some of us in here probably experienced it with different things we've gone on. I know when I go hunting and it's cloudy out and you're walking out early in the morning, it's pitch black. But I can imagine what it's like in those moments when there are enemies prowling around the castle. And what are men doing? There are men up on that wall and they're vigilant. This is, they're, not, they're not having a conversation with a guy next to him. Hey, how about that, how about that weather last night? You know, they're not doing that. They're doing this. And they're watching the woods around the castle. They're keeping their eye on everything because they want to be able to see any type of movement. Because the enemy's not going to be like, here I am. The enemy's going to sneak in, right? He's going to sneak in trying to devour. 
So we got to be sober and vigilant. We got to be ready, not letting our guard down because the devil is looking, he's searching, he's awaiting any opportunity to bring us down. So if you're taking notes, if you're taking notes, notes, point one is this. Our character is on the line. Our character is on the line. We need to keep our character intact because if there is a war, the war, the goal of the war is to take down our character. We need to recognize that there are two plans, like I said, the devil's plan and God's plan. And we need to say, I'm going to choose to partner with God's plan. I'm in this to win it. Psalms. Psalms. 119 verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. By keeping our, keeping our lives according to his word. It goes on to say this a few verses later. It says, with all my heart I have sought you. This is David crying. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. So the first thing we got to do is we got to say if our character is on the line, we got to say how do I keep a strong character? The very first way we do that is we anchor ourselves in Jesus. We anchor ourselves in the Bible and we say I'm going to build my life on this. And when, when the storms come against us in life, when we feel like we're being stripped naked and put out in a lake, we need to say, I'm standing for Jesus because this is what's real. This is what the problem is this so many men think that they're anchored on something strong when in reality they're not. When in reality they're not. We need to protect our character and our reputation. We need to resist the devil. James 4, 7. Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. I love the the idea of this. It doesn't say resist the devil and he might flee. Right? It doesn't say resist the devil and there's a good chance he'll flee. No, it says resist the devil and he will flee. So, man, what we got to do is we got to resist. It doesn't say that we have to beat the devil up. It doesn't say we have to do any. It just says we have to resist. Do you want to know what resisting looks like? When, you're, when the devil's attacking you from the back, this is what resisting looks like. Turning around. Turn around saying, all right, let's go at this. So often we think the devil's on par with Jesus. Like you got God and then you got Jesus and the devil. He's not on par with Jesus. Jesus is like a pro and the devil's like peewee, you know. They're not even on, they're not even, not even close. And on top of that, it's already been won, right? The battle has been won. All we have to do as men is resist. That means, let's get real for a second. That, that means when we're surfing the internet and something pops up that we shouldn't look at, We choose to resist that and say, no, devil, get out of here. You don't have any place in my life. And you turn and you walk the other way. And that means when you're hanging out with the buddies and they're choosing to do something maybe they shouldn't, you choose to stop and say, you want to know what, guys? You could do that, but that's not for me. That means means, uh, when, when, when you're encouraged to go out and maybe get a little more 
a little more drinks than you should, you say, whoa, 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 no, that's not for me. That means when you're at work and there's something going on and man, I, could, I could fudge these numbers a little bit and, and no one would know. You're like, nope, that's not for me. It's choosing to stand firm in the faith. This doesn't have to be something where there's, an, there's a Roman governor stripping off our, our clothes and shoving us out in a lake. No, this is the secret place, if you know what I mean. This is like David who chose to, to instead of continuing to walk in his sin, when Nathan came up and said, you are the guy that stole the lamb. You, are, you did take someone else's wife and have him killed. That's where David drops on his knees and says, Lord, even in the quiet place, I'm coming to you because I need you. As men, we need to stand firm in the faith. And so often we think it comes down to like being real strong and it means being vigilant. It means being watchful, watching for those moments when the enemy is trying to get a foothold in our life and saying, get out of here. So first point was, our character is on the line. Second point, others are counting on you and others are counting on me. There's someone that's counting on us. So often when we fall into temptation, when we fall into compromise, when we experience that slow fade of low, oh, no one will know, no one will, no one will mind, and then you go a little bit deeper, no, and you go a little bit deeper, no, and you go a little bit. When that happens, it's not just us that's affected, it's the people around us. There are, there are other men in our lives that are looking up to us. There are other men in our lives that need us to stand alongside them. And when we fall, they falter. So we need to stand strong. We need to be ready to stand firm for our marriages, for our kids, our extended family, our neighbors, our coworkers. We need to stand firm for those that need us to stand firm. Ephesians 6.14, Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the, peace, of the gospel of peace. We need to stand firm. And how do we do that? We do that by getting in the word. We do that by seeking after the Lord. We do that by getting in our quiet place, by praying, by worshiping. Some of you might be like, I don't know how to. I don't know if I have the right formula. Let me tell you what, this, it's not a formula. It's what does it look like for you to passionately pursue Jesus Christ for who he is? That could be worshiping on the way to work. That could be listening to your Bible on audio. That could be reading your Bible in, the, in a closet. That could be taking your lunch break and saying, well, no, instead of eating right now, I'm going to go and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time praying. That could, be, that could be making a prayer list because, can I, can I be real for a second? I'm not real good at praying off the cuff. When you ask me to pray, I'm like, eh, maybe, I'll try it. But I can make a prayer list and I can pray scriptures from the Bible. And I know that John, 1 John chapter 4, 15 says that if I pray according to his word, I know that he hears. And if I know he hears, I'll be confident that what I prayed for, I will receive. Man, we don't have to have fabulous prayer lives that are off the cuff and sound like it came straight, you know, from some pastor that's been doing it for, for 30, 40 years. It doesn't have to be like that because it's not our elegant prayers that get them heard. It's us being faithful and coming and saying, Father, saying, Dad, I need you right now. 
Stand firm. So I'm going to give you guys an action plan. Ready? <clears throat> because we need to, if we're going to do this, we need to know how to do it. First point is this. And the worship team, if you guys want to come, come up, we're going to get into worship here in a second. First point is this. Make a choice. Number one, make a choice. Joshua 24 says, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. And he goes on to say, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So one is make a choice. Two, set up boundaries. A boundary is something that when you bump up against it in your life, it hurts you, but it doesn't hurt you as much as falling off the cliff does. Right? If I'm driving a car down the highway and I'm going over a bridge and I run into that guardrail, that guardrail hurts my car. But the river that's 50 feet down would hurt my car much more. So set up boundaries in your life. When you, okay, when I feel like I have in my heart that excitement because that image came in front of me, that's a trigger for me to back up. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm going to back up. So one, make a choice. Two, set up boundaries. Three, be surrounded by men. We need to be surrounded by men. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. Who are the men that are around you? Are they wise or are they foolish? I sat down the other day with a, a young gentleman that's just graduating high school. And I get talking to him and he talks about, I'm like, are you passionate for the Lord? And he's like, not really. And I get in and I say, who are you hanging out with? And he's hanging out with people that aren't passionate for the Lord. You're not going to follow the Lord if... You're not hanging out with men that are passionate for the Lord. So three is be surrounded by men. David got in trouble because the men left and he stayed. The men around him left, he stayed. He saw Bathsheba. He committed adultery. She got pregnant. He had her husband killed. He stole her as his wife. He didn't have men around him. So three, be surrounded by men. And four, avoid difficult areas. Can I get a hand for a second? And we're going to go into worship after this. All right. How many of you guys know what cardboard looks like? Well, you might stand it up. You can stay right there, but just stand up. You guys know cardboard? Here. Hold this. Uh, you want to stand here and put the piece of cardboard that way just so everyone's kissing. Cardboard, you're going to have to hold it kind of strong because I'm going to set this on the end of it. Okay. Cardboard has some strength, right? It can hold that. Here's the thing, just like cardboard, when we fall in an area, when we experience a bend in our lives, now hold it again, and we experience that same thing again, the next time, we're not as strong. How many of you men know the first time you, I go into a whole other message with that one. When we fall in a direction the first time, the second time that temptation is stronger. Here's the thing, though. The Lord can restore that. Amen? There's men in here that feel like we've been in the battle. There's men in here that feel like we've been going through the ringer, and we feel like we're in that frozen lake right now. And maybe it's because we've fallen in an area. Maybe it's because we've experienced something. Maybe it's just because of the situation of 2020 and 2021. It doesn't matter. The, the God that we serve brings restoration. The God that we serve could take broken cardboard and make it strong again. Amen? Because when we fall, 
it affects the people around us, but we need to stand firm. And it, it comes down to this. It's not on us. I wish I would go through John 15. Our strength comes by staying connected into Jesus, being rooted in him. So we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to make it real. This is a real, are we cool with being real? We got about 13, 12, 13 minutes. I'm going to give it over to the worship team. Over on this table here and that table over there, there's pieces of paper and pens, and there's buckets up here. And if there's something that you're battling, there's something you need to hand over to the Lord, whether it's something big or it's something small. Maybe it's you're dealing with kids. Your kids are, have walked away from the Lord and you've been battling. You say, Lord, I want to just give this to you. Maybe you've been battling a secret sin and, I, Lord, I just want to give this to you. Maybe you're having troubles with your neighbor and you're like, Lord, I just want to give this to you. During this worship set, I want you to write down what it is on that piece of paper and then put it in the bucket. And when you put it in the bucket, this is what you're doing. You're saying, Lord, I can't handle this, but you can. Lord, I'm a broken piece of cardboard, but you're a piece of steel. And when I rest in you, you can strengthen me. And you put that in there and you say, Lord, I hand this over to you. And that's your moment of surrender, all right? Can you guys stand up with me? I apologize that I've been running. and But let's get into this. This is a moment with you and God as this worship team leads us into the presence of the Lord. Jesus, today... We choose to surrender to you. We recognize that we can't be strong on our own. We recognize that we're beat up and broken on our own, but with you, there's full restoration. With you, there's strength. With you, there's standing firm. On our own, we fall and we falter, but in you, we're strengthened, Jesus.